the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. The best representation in America of the exact opposite is seated right across from me in the soundproof booth, the lovely Ramon B. How's it going? You see what I'm doing right here? I'm I'm doing the what's up nod. Oh, is that what that is? The what's up nod? What's up? You know, this is not a video podcast. It doesn't come over very well on on the the podcast. It sure doesn't. But look at this. What's up? Yeah, okay. I I, I think all guys do the what's up nod, and I think women don't do it. No, they don't. Let's talk about some of the differences between men and women, shall we? Is that allowed nowadays to actually do that? We're right across from the most expensive mall in the state of Arizona. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, the lovely Biltmore Mall in the shadow of the Wrigley Mansion built in the 1920s. Isn't that nice? Now, it's a lovely mall. I'm not allowed over there, by the way. No, we're not allowed over there. Mm -hmm. Of course not. Well, there's no reason for us to be there. Not really. So, women, here's men. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to show you. Men will never they they always put the men's department on the ground floor of any store. If you go to Dillard's, Macy's, any store in America, the men's department has to be on the ground floor because we will lose interest in shopping while we're on the escalator ride up to the second floor. You know, I never realized <laughs> yeah. that. Wow. Oh no, we'll we'll lose interest. If it's that we'll go, oh I gotta go up two feet now. Nah, I'm out. I gotta go home. Gotta go home. That is very true. I, right. That's I, wow. true. So that's, that's the that's the guy thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm trying to be equal opportunity uh, stupidity here. The women cannot shop without saying the word "cute." You take the way the word "cute" from the English language, they can't yeah. do it. They apply that to a lot of things: shoes, oh, purses. Look how cute those! Yeah. Are. Those are so cute. You know what? Do you know who would think those? Those would look cute on Shirley. Wouldn't Shirley look cute in those? That is a so. I can't believe how cute they are. Mm-hmm. Then they look at the price tag and they go, "Oh, it's not that cute." Difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you looked at a Harley Davidson and went, "Oh, that's cute"? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly, dude. That That's is cool. Like That's what <laughs> it's we more say. like it. We just grunt. All right. We always start. We have the headlines of the day. We have to start with this. For those of you new to the podcast, this is where we kill even more time mm-hmm. before we get to the actual quality only, material. It's only about two which minutes. Which is very little of, of course. Uh, federal, if you see this headline, the federal banking regulators evidently spent a bunch of our taxpayer money on strip clubs and booze. Did you see that? <laughs> No, but not surprising. Sadly, the rest of it, they just wasted. Mm-hmm. 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 That's how it's done. 
Now, uh, we're supposed to talk about real estate. Yep. <laughs> Not just the differences between men and women. That would be a whole different <laughs> which podcast. Is, which is fraught with danger. Now, if you we had, can get in trouble. You had your partner in here. She would definitely have, she would have the opposite view of no. every No? No. She would, would agree with me. Well, she has to, right? No, she she would no, she doesn't have to evidently. There's plenty of <laughs> plenty of uh plenty of evidence that she does not have to agree with me on anything. But we generally tend to agree on the differences between men and women. Now, uh we have been talking about real estate in the past. We probably should Occasionally. swerve into that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh we were talking about negotiating, I think, uh, last time. It's been a whole week. We can't. I can't be expected to remember what we talked about a week ago, can you I? You could listen to the podcast and then... No. Uh, no. Nah. 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 It's all right there. Yeah, it's, in the it's all right there in my tiny, tiny brain. So uh, when, we, when we do... Here's negotiating. Here's a little rule of thumb. So draw a horizontal line... We're going to just pick uh, several price – this is part of the pricing presentation. But let's draw a horizontal line and right in the middle of it – that's left to right for those of you scoring at home – draw a little like a railroad tie in the very middle and then one couple inches to the right and then another one to the right of that and one to the left and one to the left. So we've got one, two, three, four, five little vertical railroad ties. And then whatever fair market value is, you're going to put that in the middle. So you've done your market analysis, the CMA. Do you know what that stands for? Could you possibly tell me what that stands for? Country Music Awards. Oh if you're gosh. brand new in real wow. estate. That's, that's shocking. <laughs> okay. You, you're tired of that. So let's say we did our market analysis. And the definition of fair market value is that price at which – when you're listed active in the MLS after the initial spurt of showings is over and it settles down and you get in the third week of it being active, you would get one showing a day, not two, not a half, not not three showings a week, not, not uh, three showings a day, but one showing a day. And, we're, and again, we're guessing at what price that would happen. But let's say we – Come up, we do our math on the on the market analysis, and we come up with three thirty five. Okay, so all fearless agents know that people don't search three thirty five and below. That never happens. So you'd put three twenty five in the middle. Okay, and then the, the one above that would be the next step that they would search on three fifty, and the one below the three twenty five would be three hundred, and the one below that would be two seventy five, and the one to the right of three fifty would be three seventy five. Okay, so let's just say that's the price range you happen to be in with some property, and and maybe you're in a in a market where um, it's more expensive, and that those numbers will never happen. But the principle is the same. So here's a little negotiating rule of thumb. Let's say that I'm asking three twenty five, and I get an offer for two seventy five. Okay, stuff like that happens. And the seller, for whatever reason, is saying – so the way you would present an offer to a seller is, is you know, a, we teach you a system for presenting offers at Fearless Agent. But, but you say, so what do you want to do? And they say, I'll take it. 
they'll say, I'll take 275. Well, here's a rule of thumb. It would be absolutely insane to accept 275 if you have not first lowered the the change the asking price to 300 299.9 first because if you if you if you're asking 325 and let's say you're getting a showing a day and the seller is willing to consider accepting 275 change the asking price to 300 first because once you get below that 300 barrier so many more people will say search 300 and below versus the amount of buyers that would say search 325 and below. Now, a lot of buyers would say 350 and below, 325 and below, 375 and below, but the difference in the number that would say 300 and below would be astronomically different. So rule of thumb, better than the material, never skip one of those five, ten, twenty-five, or hundred thousand dollar steps. So let's 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 boost it up a notch. Let's say we're at draw the same the same thing left to right. The middle one, which is our guess at fair market value. By the way, what would happen perhaps if if I immediately and this has happened. Many times to me, so I've got three twenty-five is my asking price. I'm getting a showing a day, or it wouldn't even matter the amount of showings. And then the offer comes in at two seventy-five. I present it to the the seller, and I say, you know, I estimate the net and everything, and I say, what do you want to do? And they say, I think I think we we would take that. I'd say, okay, here's what we're going to do before we take that offer. I am immediately changing the asking price. They're signing a thing that allows me to do that. I already have pre-signed change order forms, so I can do that. Uh, and I'm changing the asking price to two ninety nine. What very likely would happen is I would get three or four offers, and maybe bid them back up to three twenty five, and get them fifty grand more than they were willing to take for their house. That's the idea. Don't skip one of those steps. So if we're priced at 350 and we get an offer of 325, do not accept the offer of 325 without first asking 325 active in the MLS. If I'm priced at 325 and I get an offer of 300, don't don't accept that offer until you first priced it at 300 in the MLS. So that's that's the rule. Don't skip a step. If it's six twenty-five or six fifty, let's say, when you get above five hundred, the twenty-fives and the seventy-fives are kind of non-issues. Certainly, nobody is nobody assert nobody ever says to their realtor, "Yeah, I can afford eight fifty, but search eight twenty-five and below." People just don't think that way. So nobody is searching eight seventy five and below, six seventy five and below. They're they're searching six fifty, six hundred, you know that that way. So you get about above five hundred. The fifties are your big, are your big uh, issues. So six fifty, you're asking six fifty. You get an offer for six hundred. It would be insane to accept that offer 
unless you have lowered the price, changed the price, not lowered it, you're raising the price literally, you change the asking price to 600 and then you get five offers and you bid them up to 675 maybe. So that's rule number one in negotiating is don't, don't skip one of those little tracks without asking that price first. So if you have, if you have a question about that, you can certainly call me anytime. Let's say you're, you've got that situation. You, even if you're not a coaching student, give me a call, 480-385-8810, and we'll, I'll walk you through that. So another rule of thumb in negotiating is don't be lazy. So write this down. Highest and best equals lazy. Okay, there's no dumber idea. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, that's the way I've always done it. Well, just, you know, the, a, a, good, a good rule of thumb is you don't have to cling to a mistake just because you spent so much time making it, okay? But that is, that is clearly a lazy, stupid idea. I don't know who invented that, but I know they were lazy. So highest and best means... I get an offer, I've got multiple offers, and I say to the buy, I'm the listing agent, I say to the buyer agent, just give me your highest and best, and I say that to the three, let's say, multiple offer, the three of the offers that, that uh, I've got. So now they have to think, okay, there's three other offers, uh, what, you know, I, they go to their buyer, the buyer says, okay, well, we'll offer X, and then that X gets beaten out by one of the other offers, but that buyer maybe would have paid more, okay? So, so highest and best is crazy. Here's another crazy, which rhymes with lazy, idea in, in negotiating multiple offers is having this artificial date on which we will be making decisions about which offer to take. That is absolute insanity, so when and the proof that it's a lie is uh, just write this down. I'm off. I'm I'm asking five hundred thousand. Okay, you're asking five hundred thousand. You're 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 the listing agent, and I'm a buyer agent. And I say to you, uh, it says that you're going to be presenting offers, making a decision on offers on next Thursday. You see this very commonly. This is a crazy, stupid, lazy idea. And they say, yeah. I'd say, well, I'll pay you a million dollars, but you have to give me an offer, but you have to give me an answer in five minutes. Would you? It's a million dollars cash. You can, I'll close tomorrow. You get the, you get the, you get the money in your hand tomorrow. Of course, they would say yes to that, which is proof that the Thursday thing was this fake thing that doesn't even matter. And you're saying, uh, well, that would never happen. Yeah, but that is the BS detector. Okay, so why in the world wouldn't I respond to each offer as it comes in? Now, first of all, it's a violation of the code of ethics not to present every offer immediately as soon as practical. Um, you'd have to have a very, very good reason for not presenting the offer the same day. So that's a violation of the Code of Ethics. You don't have to respond to the offer ever, actually. There's no, no law that says you ever have to respond. 
But this this artificial date, like on Thursday the fifteenth, we're going to be making a decision on which offer. Nothing that is for the benefit of the lazy listing agent, isn't it? How could that possibly? It's certainly it's less work for the listing agent. How could that benefit the seller? In what universe would that ever benefit the seller? So the whole real estate industry is so buyer focused that the that the sellers are going disturbingly unrewarded. So always just think what is best for the seller. So here's a rule of thumb. In a multiple offer situation, not every buyer is equal. The FHA buyer that wants to pay uh, $325 is not equal to the cash buyer who wants to pay $300. The cash buyer has a lower offer, but it's a better offer. Okay, That doesn't mean the net is going to be higher. It means the chances of it falling through because of an appraisal or some repair bullcrap or something like that is much less. So the, a real cash, not hard money seminar cash. I'm talking about real cash. The, ca- the more cash people put down, the better the offer is, the price offered notwithstanding. Okay, So the first thing that you care about is the amount of the cash that the person is putting down. So here's a rule of thumb. In a perfect world, in in the fearless agent world, which is a perfect world, all buyers should have the same opportunity to be the winning bidder. So if if there's multiple offers on a, on a house, competing offers, all offers, all buyers should have an equal opportunity to pay the most if their goal and their ability is to pay the most. So the cash buyer can pay the most if they're willing to. This FHA buyer cannot pay the most because they're limited by a lender into how much they would be loaned. They're limited by a a lender into how much the appraisal would come in at. So VA, FHA, you know, minimum down uh, conventional, uh, 20% down conventional. 20% down conventional offer is not the same as a cash offer. The cash offer, if they want to, can pay more than the you know, twenty percent down. So, so you got to you got to take all those things into consideration. So, when you're, so the rule of thumb is this: the buyer. Do you think we'll do a survey question? Do you think the buyer who can pay the most and is willing to pay the most should get and is able to pay the most should get to pay the most? In what universe would you think they should not be able to pay the most? They should be able to pay the most. So that's true. And should the seller get to sell their house to the buyer who's willing and able to pay the most? Yes. So those two things cannot happen if you have an artificial date on which we're going to be reviewing offers. Those two things cannot happen if you're – doing highest and best. Those things can't happen. Those two things cannot happen 
if you're doing a multiple offer counter form, which is the single dumbest idea I've ever seen. How can they happen? What's the only way those two things that we agree should happen could happen? And it is by verbally negotiating all the parts of the offer. That's how agree to everything and then put it in writing on a counteroffer form. Okay, so that's the perfect world scenario. Now, you might say, well, gee, Bob, that's extra work. No, it really is less work. It's more phone calls, but it's less, it's, it's writing one counter. So if you listed your house with me, I can pretty much guarantee you that we'd get a lot of offers, but we'd only be countering one. Only one offer would ever get countered, and it would be after they have verbally agreed to all the things that we need to agree on. So what are those things? So let's take out a piece of paper and write them down. Off the top of my head, it occurs to me that, gee, the most important thing to know is the amount of cash down payment. Is it 100%, which is all cash, or is it less than 100%? So a rule of thumb is I would never bid up people unless they had about 40% down payment in cash that they could they could do because my goal isn't to take people's earnest money and we are going to have hard non-refundable earnest money if you're my seller you're getting the earnest money if the people flake out okay by the way it's time for a shameless plug while i drink coffee time for bob leffler's shameless plug. what kind of coffee am i drinking that's gonna be folgers right that's right Good to the last drop. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. So, by the way, if any of the stuff we talk about here on the Big Fearless Agent podcast makes any sense to you whatsoever, that seems unlikely, but it could happen. If you are earning less selling real estate than you wish you are, and you happen to be open to the idea of having some help with that, please go to fearlessagent.com. In the banner across the top on the right side, there's a webinar. Watch that. And then give me a call, and let's do a complimentary coaching call. You can call me toll-free day or night at 480-385-8810. That's my cell phone. And we will just see if what you're trying to do in your real estate career and what we do at Fearless Agent, if that would be a good fit. If it is, you will get rich. If it's not a good fit, uh, there's still plenty of ways we can help you, so don't worry about that. So give me a call anytime. Uh, If you're a uh, real estate company owner, by the way, and you happen to be recruiting fewer producing agents than you wish you were, and you're open to the idea of having some help with that, give me a call and I'll do a complimentary recruiting coaching call for you. But before you do, watch my video at fearlessagentrecruiting.com. That will help you recruit for sure, and it might give you a pretty good idea of what we do might be a good fit for you. So let's go back to our topic. Uh, multiple offers situation, uh, less common these days than it was uh, a year ago, certainly. But but if you're priced accidentally too low, or or um, uh, it could happen in any market. So, what is the most important thing right at the top? I want to know when an agent uh, says, "Hey, I, I'm sending you an offer." I'd say, "Oh, great." 
can I, can I ask you questions about your buyer? And so I, they'd say, are, are you, are you taking, uh, are you doing highest and best? Are you, are you, uh, you know, what, what are you doing? They, if they, if they sense that I have multiple offers, they might ask all kinds of things. But I'd say, before we get into that, let me ask you about your buyer. May I? And they'd say, yeah. I'd say, is your buyer paying cash or are they getting a loan? And they'd say, they're paying cash. I'd say, okay, is it seminar cash, like hard money loan, not real cash, or is it their own cash? They don't have to borrow the cash from somebody else because, again, all loans convert to cash. They go, no, it's cash. Okay, so now I got that. Now, what if they say uh, – now, let's say my, my – Let's say my price is six fifty. I'm going to do math, Ramon. Math, math is so much fun, so much fun for everyone. Math, yeah, math. <clears throat> so my asking price is six fifty. Forty percent of that is two hundred and fifty, roughly. Okay. So I don't tell them a percentage. I just know that I'm not going to be bidding up any offers unless they have. 40%, which in this case happens to be 250000 of the asking price. Um, so what's the reason for that? Well, because I'm going to get, in this case, there, let's say there's a 45-day close. So I'm going to get $10,000 of non-refundable earnest money, okay? It is going to be absolutely, irrevocably, indisputably non-refundable for any reason other than the default by my seller. So after the inspection period is over, that money is hard. I'm getting the money, okay? So if they have 20% to put down or let's say 125 grand on a $650,000 house and they get bid up to let's say 750 or 700 or something like that, then the appraisal might come in low. And again, if the earnest money is non-refundable, they wouldn't get their earnest money back if they're unable to go through with the purchase. I'm not in the business of taking people's earnest money. I'm in the business of selling the house. So I don't want to do business with a buyer who doesn't have enough cash down payment horsepower to get all the way to the close, okay? So the number one thing is the, the percentage of cash down payment. Write that down. That's the highest priority thing for me to know. Before we ever talk price, because I can counter the price, but I can't counter the amount of cash they're putting down. There's a limit to how much they got. Okay, now, it's the ability to put down 40 or more that I care about. A 40% down offer competes with a cash offer pretty, pretty well. 50% cash down, that competes pretty well with a cash offer. They're not going to back out and lose their earnest money. Um, and they're not going to have problems with appraisals and repairs and that kind of crap. So percentage of cash, priority number one. Now, the offer says they're putting 20% down. Could they put more down? Sometimes they'll say, yeah, my buyer could pay cash but they only want to put 20% down. Okay, I'm going to treat them as a cash offer. Or they say, yeah, they could put down 
200 or $300,000, which is more than 40%, but they only want to put 20% down. Okay, I'm going to treat that like it's a $300,000 down offer. They've got enough cash for me to bid them up. But if it's 39%, no, I'm not bidding them up. That's my rule of thumb. Number two is the offered price. Okay, so write that down. That's priority number two. It's less important than the amount of cash that they can put down because the offered price will turn to zero if they have to, if the appraisal falls out or they, you know, have some sort of a repair issue or something like that. So offered price. Number three is earnest deposit. Okay, the amount of the earnest deposit. And is it a hard earnest deposit, in other words, non-refundable? So in the original offer, it might be refundable if the appraisal comes in low. I can change that, okay, in a counteroffer and make it non-refundable. So let's say they're putting down uh, – a good rule of thumb, by the way, is 1% of the sales price – Per 30 days that they're taking me off the market, the asking price is 650. We agree. Uh, we come to an agreement at 700. They're taking me off the market for 45 days, so that would be about 10,500. I'd round that up to 11,000. Okay. So one percent per 30 days, rounded up to the nearest thousand. It's not so much that it would scare away a real buyer and it is enough to scare away somebody who's a flake. So that's the goal. It protects the seller a little bit, but it's enough, the goal is to scare away the flakes and not scare away a real buyer. So if I did you know, $30,000 earnest deposit, if I was demanding that, that would scare away people. People would think that's odd you know, for a month. For a month and a half off the market, that seems a, a bit much in that price range. But 11000 that's that's realistic. And a, and a real buyer is not going to back out of the deal uh, over and lose $11,000 over something stupid. Okay. So first priority, percent cash. Number two is the offer price. Number three is the amount of non-refundable earnest deposit. By the way, FHA loans and VA loans, it is illegal to have non-refundable earnest deposits. So whatever amount they write into an FHA offer for earnest deposit, that is a joke. That is vapor. You're not getting that money under any circumstances. And for that reason, if you're my seller uh, and you're, uh, you get an FHA offer or VA, they're dead to me. Number four priority – would be as is. That means I'm not in the house fixing business. I'm in the house selling business. Under no circumstances will my seller be making any repairs, no matter how minor, and they will not be renegotiating the price based on some finding that you came up with in your your, uh, home inspection. You can back out uh, and go buy another house or back out and be in competition with other real buyers. Uh, but you cannot ask for a repair and you cannot ask for a uh, drop in the sales price based on a finding. And that's just how it is. 
in Fearless Agentville. Uh, after that would be home inspection, yes or no. Some people will waive a home inspection uh, as a negotiating tool. So their offer might win. Uh, so that means the earnest deposit would be hard and non-refundable at the date of the contract. So they would never they would the the earnest money's real on day one rather than on day ten after they're done with their home inspection. The next negotiating item would be close of escrow date, um, and then after that would be weird stuff. Okay. So that would be uh, they want included the riding lawnmower or they want that uh, big pile of crap next to the shed that fell down in the backyard hauled away by guys that live at a halfway house. They want uh, post-possession or any, anything that's just you know out of the ordinary. So let's, let's think this through. Now, we're going to verbally negotiate all of these things in the correct order. Here's why. We don't need to worry if the crap in the backyard is getting hauled away by the halfway house drunks um, if we can't even agree on the close of escrow date, right? If We don't need to worry about the close of escrow date if we can't even agree on whether there's going to be a home inspection or not. We don't need to worry about whether there's going to be a home inspection or not if we can't even agree that you're buying the house as is, meaning how is, where is, the way it is, no fixing and no renegotiating the price, right? We don't need to worry about uh, as is if we can't even agree on the amount of and the refundability of the earnest deposit. And we don't need to worry about the amount of the earnest deposit if we can't even agree on the price, of course. And by the way, we don't need to start negotiating the price uh, with until we find out if their buyer is some broke loser, right? So I need to know first things first, the amount of cash that they can put down if they wanted to. So – in a multiple offer situation, when people are begging me to buy my listing, again, the listing agent is God and the buyer agent is the zit on the gnat's butt of real estate, okay? I am God. You must do what I tell you to do the way I tell you to do it when I tell you to do it, okay? That's how it's going to be because I got what you want. All the buyers have the same color money, but your buyer's in love with my listing. So get in line. And do what I tell you to do. That's the way it works. So, and by the way, if I'm the buyer agent, I'm going to know my place in the world. I'm going to be begging. I'm not in a negotiating position. I'm begging, of course, on behalf of my buyer. In a multiple offer situation, for goodness sakes, I'm begging. So first we know that they have enough cash and I say, okay, and then as a fearless agent, we teach you a way, a secret way of bidding up offers that nobody else knows how to do. It's going to end up causing your seller to get tens and tens of thousands, in many cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars in price range, in that kind of price range, more than they could get any other way. So we teach you how to do that. But first, now that you have enough cash, 
Then we'll talk about the price. Once we'd agreed that you're the winning bidder on the price and that you're the, you're the buyer we're going to do business with and I'm telling you what you got to pay and you agree to it, then verbally I'm going to say, okay, we're at 700000 so you have to have 11000 minimum non-refundable earnest money. Is that okay with you? Because we're not going to do business unless it's non-refundable, meaning if you don't qualify for the loan for some reason, I get to keep your earnest money. That's what earnest money is for. You make a promise and then you break that promise and I don't give a crap what the reason is you broke the promise. We're keeping your earnest money. That's how it works. Why do you think they have earnest money for goodness sakes? So they agree. They go, oh, yeah. Now, once they're the winning bidder on the price, they're going to go, yeah, I'll, I'll know. We'll do whatever you tell us to do. Okay, great. So it's going to be $11,000 non-refundable. Now, you have to buy the house as is. That means there will be no scenario in which you can even ask for a repair. There will be no scenario in which you can even ask for a reduction in the sales price or anything like that. It will not happen. Do you understand me? Yeah. And then you say you do want a home inspection. Yes. Okay. So you you can back out at the expiration of your home inspection. We'll agree to that. That's fine. And then we're going to close escrow on such and such a day. That's okay. And then what that weird stuff, that crap you wanted hauled off in the back lawn, you're going to handle that. You're going to get your own halfway house drunks. They're going to handle that. My people are not worried about that. Kicking out tenants, anything like that, that's the buyer's problem. That My seller is never going to be doing anything like that. Now, they've agreed to those things in the order of priority, and now I'm going to write up the counter offer. It will include all of that in it, one counter, and then the buyer signs the counter offer that I wrote first. Then I take it to the, the, the seller. The seller's the last person to sign it because the seller's trapped with that buyer once they sign that. The buyer could back out during the inspection period, but I'm stuck with that buyer once my seller signs that. And that's the way fearless agents do it. So once again, I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Please do visit us at fearlessagent.com. Please subscribe at fearlessagent.tv to all our videos. Uh, Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're at. If you're an owner that's uh, recruiting less producing agents than you wish you were, you can call me anytime after watching fearlessagentrecruiting.com video. Again, give me a call. Anybody can call me anytime at 480-385-8810. And until next week, do what we always do. Have fun, be humble, but most of all, be fearless. Thanks, gang. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.